There's so much um, this last year that has been revealed and is still being revealed and has has been in the process of being revealed for long before, you know, 2020, right? There was something about 2020 that broke it open even more. Yeah. And reflecting back on um, where this podcast has, how it's sort of been a part of our experience of 2020, our processing of uh, the significance of last year, the, um, the pain, but also the hope that came out of it. And that even today is continues to be uh, expressed, uh, revealed, affirmed, and uh, it's sort of delivered into our hands, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we could just spend a bit of time reflecting mm-hmm. on what we've uncovered, what yeah. what's been revealed through this podcast and um, through this extended process of kintsugi that's been our mm-hmm. our metaphor, our our way of moving through these conversations. Mm-hmm. And with us here, we also have uh, two members of our production team, Jeremy Hunt, who has been our phenomenal sound editor and also leads the band Koheleth, who, uh, whose music you've heard throughout this um, series. We also have our wonderful producer, Julia Hendrickson, who has been in charge of our details and timeline and excellence factor. Yes. So, um, I invite both of you to join us in this uh, reflection and process, and then to our listeners as well, as we think about these questions, um, and as you listen, you're invited to think about them for yourself. Think about what you've heard, whether in this podcast or in your own life, Mm. of what is being revealed, what gold is starting to come through the cracks and the fractures and where we are and where we go from here. Yeah, and and, and Brie, I I also wanna acknowledge uh, Joe Gallagher's presence in this. You know, Joe, uh, talk about discovering the light. I mean, he was the first, um, one of the executives who uh, greened it star wars <laughs> when yes. george lucas walked into that room with this crazy idea of a space trilogy you know that yes. no one's ever heard of you know with special effects and 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 joe was one was in charge of special effects so he 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 understood at least uh the potential of this but to put to say yes to that uh requires a certain um heart um, of openness to new journeys and new hopes and and that yes has turned into you know um, so so much of what we know about movie industry um, he has been uh, instrumental in bringing about and uh, so we we are just grateful and honored that he would choose this podcast to you know as as something to say yes to and and support um and you know he will continue to do that um but i i do think that that voice was very significant um as i you know thought about this podcast initially we I, i always thought that you know we could 
launch this at some point, but it was the pandemic that really pushed the birth of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in in some ways that in a strange way we were guided by providence because um, if you were to look at the seven episodes uh, that 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 we done in the first season, they do capture the themes and responses uh, even if we don't explicitly talk about them. Um, that this nation is grappling with this world is, you know, facing. And to be able to have, you know, uh, even with our inexperience and, uh, you know, lack of doing this, um, to have a group of people who trusted their intuitions and pushed each other to um, find a voice um, that spoke authentically about our time, I, I think it's very, um, it's, it's an accomplishment that I, you know, I, I'm just so uh, thankful to be part of. So um, I, I really think that everyone here in this room um, really contributed to, to that, um, you know, becoming a reality. Yes, yes, absolutely. When we started out our thought was to take the process of kintsugi, which is to a Japanese form of mending broken pottery with gold lacquer, mm-hmm. and to use that as a, a praxis yeah. or, or a guiding method for understanding how humans are, how humans experience fracture, experience brokenness, personally, interpersonally, culturally, and how that mending process begins to happen. So to review a bit for our listeners, sort of our our guiding process um, has been to name the fractures. And this is a process that uh, you would also learn in uh, the Academy's Kintsugi uh, that Julia and Jeremy Amako, you've all along with Eric Tai yes. um, fellows have, have been working hard on. Um, yeah. So jump in and correct me if I miss any steps here, but we name the fractures first. We move towards seeing landscapes that arise out of the fractures in the broken pieces. Then we begin to sand down the edges and see what landscapes continue to emerge. And finally, mending with gold and lacquer to place the pieces Mm -hmm. together. So with that in mind, I wanted to go back and review um, our guests that we've had. We started out with September Penn, Mm -hmm. who is a vocalist, singer, worship leader, and theater storyteller. Then we spoke with Christian Wyman, who was a poet, professor, and theological thought leader. Susie Abba, composer, percussionist, educator, and climate and earth listener. And finally, Shan Ray, who is a scholar on forgiveness and leadership, a poet and a novelist. So I wanna start out, and um, this is to all of you here, Mako, Jeremy, Julia, and also um, to the listeners as well for you to reflect on. What stood out to you among these episodes? Um, Either something maybe, from each of these, or just from any, what what conversations, what pieces and of 
of the various fractures we examined in each of these conversations um, stood out to you or caught you as you listened? Yeah, just to add to that, uh, Brianna, with the uh, Kintsugi process, um, I was thinking today about Urushi, which, which is Japanese Jap Japan lacquer. And Urushi is um, notorious, notoriously difficult a material to use because it's made from poison sumac and it's low drying. And in fact, it, you have to dry it in the moisture of Japan, otherwise it doesn't dry. So if you were to do it here or in US, uh, you have to have a moisture box. And sometimes the mending takes about a year <laughs> before you can put the gold on. Um, and you know, I was thinking about that because you know, you're using something that's poisonous or allergic one third of the population is allergic to, so they can't even use it um, to mend. You know, like like it, it's kind of counterproduct, uh, counterintuitive process, um, and the, you know, you you don't. And and I heard an anecdotal stories of how this came about in nature as somebody was watching uh, an insect or. Uh, a bird or something, you know, that got stuck in a tree, <laughs> and, and they they were trying to help this little poor creature, and 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 then they discovered urushi, um, and there's something about that the medium that joins us together, maybe something very un unexpected and and even dangerous, you know, and um, how observations and artists tend to find these things that maybe other people may miss. Um, in this case, it's a beautiful story of really compassion um, that brought this person to realize, oh, this thing is a really sticky, you know, glue. <laughs> and um, and Japan lacquer uh, is, is very difficult to master. And I, I have a good friend who is a Japan lacquer master, but he was a student when I was a student at Tokyo University of Fine Arts studying Nihonga. And for the first three months, he, he went into class literally to make himself, make his skin react to Japan lacquer so he can build up immunity. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, and so at the end of three months, he didn't know if he could continue with his major or not, because if, if he, you know, went the other way, um, they became more sensitive, then he can't be a Japan like a <laughs> Urushi master. <laughs> so you would have to choose some some other discipline, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I, I, you know, I don't know if there's any like discipline where this is like possible or even allowed, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think this, um, tradition of uh, mending has really interesting outcomes. And of course, Master Nakamura, he came up with this uh, cashew-based uh, new urushi. Uh, so it was again, a work of compassion um, to, uh, you know, to be able to create these kits. And we we're able to take advantage of that here in US um, by, creating workshops that, you know, offers authentic 
Japan Naka experience without the three months of torture. <laughs> so so I, I, I think there's something about that that I, you know, we're uncovering even with the podcast is like, you know, it, it's a slow process of growth and um, coming to understand what our gifts may may be to come together and to develop. So um, I, I, I think about that. And um, I, I was thinking about Julia because uh, she has been leading in these sessions. And, um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to uh, hear from her what her perspective was in, in um, what she learned uh, from uh, these workshops. Thank you, Marco. It's been a privilege being part of the Kintsugi workshops. And for me as a facilitator of them, I had to make a very big transition in my thinking about how I would teach others this process. Um, because I haven't spent years studying the technicality of Kintsugi mending. Um, and people come to these workshops expecting uh, a kind of technical yes. list of how how to do something and in a very tangible way. And what I've realized is that what we need in this time is not only tangible mending, although that is a beautiful metaphor and example. And you have this object that can then be used again, but it's the metaphoric mending. It's the metaphysical mending that happens in our lives, in our minds, when we no longer think of discard culture, but mending culture, mm -hmm. of the ability to bring things back into wholeness. And this is concurrent with a culture care ideology and framework. Um, it's and it allows for generativity in a different way. It's not just production based, it's wholeness focused, right? And so it's this whole paradigm shift that we're able to enter into when we practice Kintsuki, not just with the physical object, but in our lives, in our relationships, in this desire of working towards a new vision, a new reality. Um, and that ties in with the question that you asked, Brianna, of what are some of the things that stand out in the episodes? And um, Shanray asked, what if we pray hard enough that we listen? And all of the studies point to the fact that if we actually take the time and cultivate the ability to listen well, attentively, attuned to others, change is able to occur. Bridges are able to be built. Reconciliation is able to happen yes. when we give space and allow for honest, earnest listening. Hmm. And how much then does that change us? And how much then does that mend us? So those are some of my thoughts. I'm wondering if you, how you describe listening as a part of 
the kintsugi process as you teach? How do how do you use listening as um, as you're mending a pot? Sure, this comes actually from the ideas of uh, art theorist Walter Benjamin, who said that we need to be in relationship with our materials. So as we're working on something, it's not just me as a maker creator, say enacting my will upon an object. It's me asking the material, asking the picture, what it would like to be. Wow. And that's something that Master Nakamura-san teaches as well. He, when you first present your broken object, you name it. Mm-hmm. You name not only the broken pieces, but you, a vision of what it can become. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of being in discussion, of being in dialogue with the material. And I think that it's important not to think of ourselves in any situation as an overlord or as a master, but as a partner, as a a fellow traveler, Mm. willing to hear and respond in dialogue. Yeah. That reminds me too of what we heard from uh, Susie and September, both musicians that we interviewed. Uh, from Susie, we talked about that deep listening to the earth, uh, even as the, the earth literally splitting apart, right? These ice uh, runoffs and glacier runoffs that she recorded. And then from, from September, when she talked about healing vibrations, right? And how humming, you know, literally wakes up the, our, our innermost molecule, our molecular structure and creates something to fill the spaces between, uh, literally healing us as we make sound and as we breathe together. Um, Jeremy, I wondered if if you had anything to add. You've been listening very intently <laughs> to all of these podcasts, piecing them together, editing them. And that's also something that you practice in your work as a musician? Yeah, my uh, my first thought is I need to keep what I'm saying to a minimum because I, I got to listen back to myself as soon as we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, but um, yeah, I, I think it it dovetails perfectly with what Julia uh, is, is, is saying. Um, and I think at the beginning of the process of this podcast and thinking about what it could be, what its signature sound would be, um, because of the way that I approach music and noise and sound in general, it felt like a perfect sort of intersection because I think a lot of what I try to do in my own music is some form of, I don't want to, you know, call it straight up sort of auditory kintsugi, but I'm trying to listen very carefully in everything that, that I do. Um, when I sit down, I've, I've told folks this before, but I'm, I'm not, and this is what I loved about September's episode was being able to hear her process for writing music and how she talks about like lyrics just fell and the melody just fell. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sat there sort of in awe of that because 
<laughs> that's not how I encounter music uh, when I write it at all. For me, it's very much a um, sitting down with the instrument, with the amp, with my pedals and saying, okay, where is the sound going to take me today? Where, where am I going to find something that clicks in a certain way? Let me capture that and then let me keep moving and finding other pieces and other elements. And then it's a, um, it's an accumulation and it's a sifting through those things and finding uh, the pieces that, that fit, if you will. And so I would say from an editorial and uh, an auditory uh, standpoint, editing everything and putting the pieces together for each of these episodes, my hope has been uh, that we offer a, a space, a sonic space that is inviting, but also challenging in some ways that it's an opportunity for people to uh, perhaps listen to something more attentively than they might have before. It's my been my hope that even across all of the episodes together, not that someone's going to sit down and listen to all the hours all at once, but that it would feel like some some sort of a, an auto, audio uh, journey. Yeah. that it would be something that would uh, be inviting at times arresting at times maybe even a little confusing where you have to go back because i, I think uh, again to julia's point um, learning to learning and relearning and trying to discover new ways of, of listening and listening well i think is just crucial yes. where we're at um, sort of at this point in history where we're at culturally I, I just I think it's a skill that we all need desperately you know I was uh, Jeremy I was um, interviewing a future fellow uh, from Bucknell University I'm uh, the next phase of the fellows program I'm going to experiment with undergraduates at Bucknell and um, um, so I, I had the deans of three schools, uh, liberal arts and school of engineering and school of school um, management, um, you know, send out emails um, to all the students. But it, it, immediately I had like 21 applicants. And the girl that I interviewed today is, is an environmental engineer, but she literally sat down. The assignment was to listen to Susie's uh, podcast and to respond in some way, uh, whether it be creative or essay or whatever. And uh, so, so I, 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 I can't wait to share some of these comments because they're they're really coming from, you know, this university, um, really outside of many of our circles of influence, perhaps. But you know, uh, so they're fresh years listening to what we have been doing. Uh, especially with Susie's episodes. But today, uh, this girl, Sarah, said she listened to all of them. <laughs> and because she wanted to understand and honor what we have done together. And then, then her response, she would make art that intuitively try to capture. Uh, so, so maybe maybe you can post this <laughs> art that she did. But but um, so some people have actually listened to all of the episodes. <laughs> I think that 
there's many of our listeners who maybe are in tune with this, with the sense of a creative process. Um, but for those who maybe are are not, I don't identify, who don't identify as an artist or um, maybe don't have a creative process in their life or aren't as familiar. Um, I wonder if we could talk for a minute about why we chose to do the podcast this way a little bit more and um, thinking through sort of those beginning conversations um, back in uh, March, I think, um, when we initially sat down to do this, that uh, finding out ways of mending fractures in our shared world was one part of the puzzle. Um, we knew that that was going to be a guiding question. We knew Kintsugi was going to be a guiding metaphor. But as we started to really enter into the complex difficulty that actually comes with podcasting, <laughs> as we discovered, um, we really started to approach it with like more of an experimental process. And um, Mako, I wondered too, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, slow art and the process yeah. and the value of slowness and, and uh, why we wanted to put that before us as we began working on this together. Yeah, I, I think all of us went into it um, <clears throat> expecting the great, great unknown, um, hoping that something would be revealed. Um, you know, typical podcasts would be done with with one to one interviews and themes um, of interest and so forth. But I, I always had a sense that this was not like a typical way of doing things. That we had an opportunity as fellows to trust our intuition in the process. To uh, like Jeremy said, you know that there's there's listening, um, and and as all all of us have been. Uh, speaking to this, but um, and when we listened to the trader, right, <laughs> it wasn't even the first episode. We kind of agreed that the first episode has to be different, and the first episode will be about September. And I, I think Judy, I think you had a um, particular directive about this. I, I remember uh, saying, you know, kind of a confidence that this needs to be about something else. And do you want to speak into that moment? Sure. Um, it, it was, I think all of this ties into Bree's question of what is this really about? And this podcast is a reflection of our observations. And that is how we speak to those that aren't necessarily engaged in a daily creative practice. What does it mean to observe the actions that you're taking? What does it mean to look at your bowl of oatmeal in the morning and consider the difference to the day before that you think of as the same bowl of oatmeal, but it's different today somehow. Learning to notice those differences. But in the creation of this podcast, it was the construction of a soundscape and this growing awareness that we're entering, especially as we went into our times of isolation and social distancing, the, the sound around us changed, right? Those of us that live in cities, things became quiet in a way that they hadn't been quiet in 
a century, right? And focusing, drawing attention to differences, fractures, silences, um, in ways that Jeremy was able to construct creatively piece together as a piece of Kintsuki, right? Um, the sound as the metaphor of the mending was something that we thought about, uh, particularly at the start of this, as the arc began, um, that we would lead people through a museum gallery of sound Mm -hmm. where different narratives could unfold, where different stories would be encountered through different sounds. sound has the ability to transport. Um, so those were some of the things that we thought about. Yeah, and, and the museum has many, many people, you know, artists will come and study, but but the majority of people are appreciators of art and they want to see something new or they want to experience something um, and learn something from that. And I, I think the soundscape is is a, well, you know, welcome table to discover and to um, certainly learn new things, uh, hopefully. And I, I do think Christian Wyman speaks to this uh, very well uh, as uh, as a sort of a, um, a person grow up and growing up in Texas, and and the, you know, I don't think he could ever imagine that he would be a poet or, you know, um, and trying to be, you know, live in the world of Darwinian survival, basically uh, angry at the world and and then falling into this um, through various challenges in his life. And, and, you know, today, as we wrestle with you know, what's happening in DC and what's happening in the world, you know, we, we should note that these transformations uh, that people go through are un- unexpected. Um, in, and even the, you know, the judgment that we place on people today, um, you know, about how they react to certain things or how they rush to conclusions or even, create judgment um, and perhaps try to respond by force or, you know, there's a narrative here, uh, a kind of an American story that given length of time, like Christian's life, you know, you could end up in a very different place. And so I am grateful that, you know, we, we have, his voice because um, his is is certainly when when he talks about um, innocence, uh, having, you know, sophisticated innocence. um, I think you do have to go through that stage of um, almost this uh, active disobedience to, you know, uh, try to reshape the world or being angry or being violent even um, and and yet there's there's another path that even that can lead to um, uh, through uh, through listening and forgiving and uh, and you know being part of uh, an environment 
where you literally hear music, you know, for the first time of, of the place that you grew up in. I think when we started, we didn't come in with an, with a theme for each episode, right? Besides the fact of whatever each person in the conversation Zoom room would bring. And I, I so I, I think that's what I hear in, in our process too, is that, no, we didn't know where this was going, but there was a way that that listening in that unexpected, uh, expect, unexpected expectation or that um, un, the improvisation Yes. That led us into discovering what this table was really going to be as we went. That, you know, Julia, you spoke to a myriad of voices of these many voices coming together. And I wonder, um, you know, so what do these voices say together? Uh, if they are in a in a choir, so to say, of uh, these various voices and backgrounds and experiences, artistic gifts, um, you know what what do they say? What have we discovered together in this time? Yeah, I think that there are some things that emerge as common to humanity, right? That we're all broken, that we're all seeking some sort of healing, um, that we're looking at the earth in listening to the earth as Susie does, that we're seeing how people have said, I will die here in the manner of Shan Ray presenting the image of the dog soldier. Um, September bringing the restoring gift of the humming. Um, we have these moments where we see the fight playing out. We hear Christian talking about the wrestle within himself between where he was raised and where he is now and how that shaped him and how that formed him and how each of our narratives is forming us and shaping us. And I think that that is one of the things that um, we all know to be true, like instinctively, right? That we're living in the midst of the broken. And I think that we didn't need to worry about a theme because it's common to humanity. And we're all seeking respite. We're all cultivating something in the midst, right? That can bring balm, that can bring soothing. And uh, I don't know that we've given the answer, but we've pointed to things like music and beauty and constructive, creative vocabularies as places that give shape to ideas, words, new worlds, 
that we can then live into. I've been thinking lately about how sometimes art will open the door to a new idea or realm, but other times it just places the key in your hand and asks you if you'd like to unlock it or not. And I think that each of our guests this season did something more in that, in that realm of placing the key in your hand and saying, well, this is something of what I found and perhaps it'll hold something for you too. But the invitation is always here to enter or to go on. So where do we go from here? Now we are in 2021. The new year has turned. Um, there is so much hope and yet still so much to be done in light of the events of this day in the capital. And in light of all that has passed and all that we still carry in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. But in light of what has been illuminated of the epiphanies that have been in, in part of our experience over this past years, the series of revelations and discoveries. Um, what do you imagine, Mako, Jeremy, Julia, and also listener, what do you need to go on from here? And what do we all need together to go on together? Yeah, so one of, one of my observations, and uh, this is an announcement of thoughts, uh, is, is that I want to pass this on to you guys, uh, fellows, uh, that this podcast becomes um, a voice uh, that you will lead. Um, you know, I'm not going to disappear, uh, but, you know, um, as you welcome me back, I, I'll be happy to um join you um but but i i am doing this because first first of all i started out saying that you know i want to do these collaborative projects with the fellows um in order that they they can you know uh take over and uh take uh, leadership in both in terms of cultural care movements and you know, Kintsugi and uh, carrying that metaphor into the world. Um, but also knowing that the listeners need to have a paradigm for their voices to be heard, their voices to um, be amplified. Um, and in order to do that, you know, we have to have a way of doing a podcast that is a bit more grassroots than you know me interviewing somebody um and it's far more complex and difficult <laughs> and messy because you can't control all the um, elements but i think you guys have really proven to have that capacity to listen and listen well uh, move into the mystery um, to capture that sound um, and 
to offer that as a gift to the listeners. And so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to um, see where this goes. Um, but, you know, Brianna, I think your voice, um, the way you lead this conversation is, is just remarkably, um, you know, uh, prescient in, in a way that is, um, that your voice invites people uh, into a conversation and uh, it's, it's a unique gift. Um, and I, I want to hear that voice come out um, even more to be more resonant and uh, and and Julia's you know detail-minded leadership and and her way of always reminding us right of um, asking the difficult questions and asking the the obvious questions that we artists often forget <laughs> you know um, and the, these things are also a gift of a producer really that that is that can oversee a production and and i believe can amplify the voices of our listeners um who you know who we want to hear from and there are certainly others in the fellows journey that um, I think would be important to hear from. And all of this could not happen. And, and the reason I feel so comfortable uh, really, you know, like leaving the mantle to you guys is um, just this competency uh, that Jeremy has <laughs> over editing and, and, and the, um, the art of creating something with this spirit elements, um, sometimes impossible elements, <laughs> but that's what he does with his music, right? And that's um, for, for those listeners who um, don't know Jeremy, he is, uh, his PhD thesis is on theology and um, heavy metal or these, you know, music that has contradictions built in um, so how do we manage to understand these dissonances and and um, even noise and things things that doesn't make sense or things that are jarring um, well welcome to 2021 <laughs> you know we have to have a way right we have to have a way to understand and listen to people who disagree vehemently with each other or to um, even have you know not just opposing viewpoints but people who cannot forgive each other and it's quite appropriate that we ended the season with chan's voice speaking into us um the, the voice of forgiveness uh scholar who's you know not only studied forgiveness but practices this in his daily life with his family and uh his children and and so I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this next phase. Um, I, I don't know where it will lead, but it's an adventure that all of us can be on, uh, all of our listeners uh, included. So, um, you know, um, I, I am uh, very excited today to be able to um, announce that. Thank you, Mako, and certainly we're, extremely grateful for the invitation 
to do something new, to create into a new beginning, a new creation, and to examine and explore experiment and create together and we're excited also to see what continues to unfold in the months ahead well i'll close um with the opportunity first jeremy julia if you wanted to jump in with um reflections on where um or where we're going from here what's needed for the journey ahead as we consider uh caring for culture um, what, what is it that we're heading toward? What do we need? You know, one of the things that we've talked about, um, and I'm, I'm, we haven't mapped this out yet, but one of the, something that I'd love for us to dive into, um, would be, and we, we alluded to this a little bit earlier, the practicalities of what it means to create and, how we make space in our own lives for it. Um, you know, I come from, as, as Mako mentioned, the music and the work that I'm doing uh, for my PhD comes from a very DIY sort of place of, you know, taking what you have, taking what's around you and, um, and making what you can out of it. Um, right. And so I think, you know, we've, we've delved into some really deep themes. We've, we've, you know, gone into some, I think some profound waters. And, and one of the things that I look forward to, and maybe, and I think this is where we can invite more community interaction and more feedback from listeners is how do you see this applying to your life? How do you envision drawing these themes out in, in practical ways in impractical ways, perhaps, but, um, just what, what is the, you know, sort of the, the dirt and the grit of being an artist look like. And, and because I think we all have the capacity to be creative. I think everyone has the ability to do it. I, you know, whether by training, whether by talent, whether by just experimentation and, and being sort of fearless and diving in. So I think that's an aspect of, um, you know, our next season, future conversations that I'm excited about is to say, okay, cool. What does it look like now to get our hands dirty and how do we do this? And let's share stories of what that has looked like for us. And let's invite stories of what that's looked like for others. Yes. Yeah. Those of us who, well, we can spend time thinking about the ethereal or the, the head spaces of mending and healing, but then what is it to actually be in the triage section, right? What is right. it to actually be there working on adapting your theater production to a Zoom platform? What is it to actually be trying to make music and put out consistent albums in a mm -hmm. year that's in such flux. Right. Yes, I am hopeful for that as well. Right. So going off what Jeremy, you were saying about being, considering praxis, right? What does it mean to make? What does it mean to be in the midst of making? Um, I have two other people's words in response to that. 
Um, the first is a poem by Mary Oliver from her collection, Felicity. And it, it speaks not only to this idea of um, theoretical, but also practical. And that paradigm shift from tangible to intangible in terms of how we look at and experience the world around us. It's titled, When Did It Happen? When did it happen? It was a long time ago. Where did it happen? It was far away. No tell. Where did it happen? In my heart. What is your heart doing now? Remembering, remembering. And Mary Oliver wrote these words and I think that they frame for us the practice of observation, of listening, of recalling, of recounting the stories that Brie, you have so eloquently queried our guests on. And it's, it seems theoretical and yet it's practically applicable. And that's the intersection that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And then as a benediction, I give you the words um, from the Venite by Robert Benson. A prayer for vocation and daily work. Deliver us from the service of self alone that we may do the work you have given us to do in truth and beauty and for the common good. In the name of the creator, redeemer and sustainer, amen. Thank you, Julia, Jeremy, Mako, and also to Joe Gallagher and to all of you, our listeners who we consider to be a part of this room in this extended Kintsugi table. We look forward to more conversations in the future. Bye, friends. <laughs>